I'm not going to be a debtor. There's something I have for you, for what you've done for me. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, it didn't take me very long to come with those. I could have put another 50 of them down, but I don't see the point. The point is, there is a reward that Christ is bringing. And I, I, don't, I don't know any other way to motivate people other than to say this. The day you're standing before Jesus, you're going to want the good thing. But it'll be too late to do something here. Then. Time's up. If you've been a father, you know the deal. We all had dreams of the things we were going to do for our kids as they were growing up and the chances we were going to give them. But the day comes when they're grown, they make their own decisions, they go, and there's nothing else you can do now. Now it's their story. Time's up. How many of us have in the long night of regret looked back and thought, I wish I would have stayed up with them one more night just talking. I wish I'd have sat with them around a table. I wish when they were little I would have spent a little more. We all do that. If you didn't, if you did it right, praise God. Man, I'm, there's a great reward for that. The reward for me is, is just, it makes me pray. Lord, fix what I've done. And... If you're a parent of young kids, don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> Take advantage. Uh, now, I can tell you because I'm old and it's over. I can say, "Take advantage." I can look at my own kids who have little kids and say, "Take advantage." And, and I can watch my son work 90 hours a week, and I can say, "I, I taught him that." Right? Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Everybody knows the song, don't they? And you go, yep, I, that's what I taught him. And I watch him doing the same things. And I pray. Well, now relate that back to Christ. The day I stand before Christ, it's too late for me to say, I, I want to do something for you. I want to I I be more involved. I want to be more plugged in. I want to take this relationship more seriously. Then it's too late. Now it's not. And trust me, there are opportunities. There are opportunities every day all over to, to be plugged in and to do something for the Lord. And I'll make you two promises if you ever want to do them. You'll feel uncomfortable and it won't be fun. So if you're looking for comfortable and fun, yeah, that's never going to happen. Uh, except maybe VBS. If you like dancing with the kids, then, then maybe you get it. Maybe. But for the most part, it's not those things. It actually requires something of us. But we want to on that day. On the day when I look at Jesus, I'm, there's going to be one moment in eternity. Me and God, eye to eye. Not God talking to 2,000 people. Just me and Him. And I got one chance. And I always think of Schindler's List when I think about that. You remember the end of Schindler's List? Anybody ever seen it? He says, he's, he's the guy who, who saved Jews little by little. He, he had a big business. He lost everything he had and saved as many Jews as he could. And at the end of the movie, there's this scene where he, he looks down and he sees his ring. I think it's his ring or his watch. I don't remember. And he says, if I'd have sold this ring, I could have saved five more. 
Father God. See, then, at the end, the ring didn't matter. The watch didn't matter. That stuff didn't matter. What, what really mattered was, you know, what more could I have done? So we want, <coughs> we want to realize God wants us to live that way. He also wants us to recognize the true nature, character of Christ. It reveals the divine nature of Jesus. Look what he says. He says in verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end. Who's speaking? Okay, let me make it simpler. This book is called The Revelation of Who? So it's about Jesus. In the beginning, it starts with the phrase, This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom he sent, signified it by his angels. Most of the time, we come down in here, if you've got a red letter edition, you should have red letters. That helps you know who's talking. If it's red letter, it's Jesus speaking. Jesus is saying something kind of incredible right here. Because you know who the Alpha and the Omega is, don't you? Yahweh. Now listen, people always get all messed up in a noodle over the concept of a triune God. So let me just try to make it really simple. Hey Joe, God is Yahweh. And it's not, it's not my Joe? Oh, that's good. It's just kids running. Let them be free! So, <laughs> I'm glad it's not Joe. Most of the time it's Joe. It's all right. You just want to run him through here real quick? Okay, so Yahweh. We've never seen a Yahweh. Yahweh is transcendent. Yahweh is other. Yahweh is not part of this creation. Yahweh created it all. And you've never seen Yahweh. You have no idea or concept of what Yahweh is. So when Yahweh speaks and says he is Father, Son, and Spirit in one, I don't understand the problem. Well, I don't see that anywhere here. Well, good for you. When's the last time you've seen Yahweh? Never. Oh, yeah, because let me tell you, we go back to that part. The Bible says no man has seen God. So you didn't see him. You didn't. So when we, when we look at it, was he, we want to understand it. What did Jesus say? I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, beginning, and the end. Do you know who else says that? The Father. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You know who else says that? The Spirit. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, first and the last. They all say the same thing. Why? Because they're all one. How's that work, Jackie? I have no idea. What, what do I look like? A genius? I don't know. I just know what he says. Now, I know people who have never seen the majesty of an elk five yards away. Well, you sit under a tree, and he's blowing snot out of his nose, and he's stomping his feet. And it ain't the same as watching it on TV, just so you know. And I can try to explain it to you, but you've never seen it. And you may or may not believe me. And that's just small potatoes in comparison to a transcendent God, who is wholly other. So what do we see? In Isaiah 43, 11, the Father says, I, I am the Lord. Beside me there is no Savior. Let me ask you a question. Who's the Savior? It's not a trick question. Jesus is the Savior, right? But here the Father says, I'm the Savior. Why would the Father say that? Well, because they're one. Okay. Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. 
Again, Father speaking, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, listen, and His Redeemer. Who's the Redeemer? This is the Old Testament. This is the Father speaking, and the Redeemer speaking to God's people through the prophet Isaiah. Who is the Redeemer? He is the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of the angel armies, if you will. I am the first and the last. Beside me there is no God. This, this is the, the God, Yahweh, speaking. In Isaiah 45, 6, That the people may know from the rising of the sun from the west... <clears throat> that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is no other. Isaiah forty-five twelve. I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. God speaking. He's a creator. He did it all. Isaiah forty-five twenty-one. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none beside me. In Isaiah 48, 12, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. Isaiah 48, 16, this is one I, I've been working our way to hear. Draw near to me and hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me. Did you listen to what he just said? You have two. You don't see it? Look at it again. Draw near to me. Hear this from the beginning. I have not spoken in secret. He's speaking in first person, right? God's the one talking. He's speaking. From the time it came to be, I have been there, and now the Lord God has sent me. Look at the next part. And His Spirit. So you have, in Isaiah 48, 16, and 17, the Father sending the Son and the Spirit. All one, all first and last, all Yahweh, all one being. The being we refer to as God. We make it more confusing than it has to be. Jesus, in Revelation 22, says, I am first and last. God, the Father, says, I am first and last. The Spirit together with them. We see three as one. Now, I'm all my running around in the woods, I have never come across Yahweh yet. But one day I'm going to look in His eyes. And the mystery will fall away. Until then, His Word is trustworthy and true. That's what He's told us. Is how he has delivered himself to us. <coughs> then he tells us the consequence of the gospel in 14. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Now how do we wash our robes? What do we wash our robes in? Yeah, we wash our, our robes in the blood of Jesus Christ. It makes them whiter than snow. So that they may have the right to the tree of life. It's the same old picture. The robe, the picture, the righteousness. How is it that we have the right to the tree of life and to enter the city? What does he say? They have their, their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're wearing or we're clothed in Christ. We have the wedding garment on. 
outside are dogs and sorcerers. And we talked about this before. This does not mean that in heaven there will be this section where the believers are, and then there will be this section where the lost are somewhere outside. What he's saying is you want to get in the city. If you're not in the city, you're not in. And everyone who's in the city is righteous and holy, and everyone who's outside the city is evil and filthy. Remember? So he says outside are dogs, outside are (coughs) sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices a lie. Every liar. These are outside the city. They don't make it. These are not in the presence of God. In John 6, 28 and 29, listen to what Jesus said. They said, what must we do? To be doing the works of God. Jesus answered him, This is the work of God. That you believe in Him whom He has sent. Now we just read Isaiah 48, 16, 17. Who was sent? Jesus. Who else? The Spirit. We read all about it, don't we? All throughout the Gospels. Isn't that what we see? Jesus saying, The Father sent me. And then when Jesus ascends, the Spirit comes. Yes? Just like the Word of God said that it would this is how we enter into the heavenly city we believe in him whom the father had sent we put our trust in christ first john three twenty three, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son jesus christ and love one another just as he has commanded us john the writer of revelation hinges these things together why because jesus said this is how you'll know you're really a disciple how how you love each other. We can all say, I believe in Jesus. That's easy. The demons say that all the time. But they're not saved. John says, believe in the Son and love one another. What is it that God was looking for in Hosea chapter 6? Faithful love. What was he looking for in Deuteronomy chapter 6? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What did Jesus tell the rich young ruler to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the, the reality of the gospel evident in the life of a believer. And 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world except the one that believes? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is who he said he is. John chapter 8, Jesus said, Unless you believe... I am eternal God. You will die in your sin. That's heavy. But that's what Jesus said. John chapter 8. So who's outside? Outside. Dogs, immoral, sinners. All those dirty, rotten people are outside. Now while we're thinking about all those dirty, rotten people that are outside, I want you to think about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. (coughs) Here's what it says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Not one unrighteous person will inherit the kingdom of God. Not one. Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral, not idolaters, not adulterers, not men who practice homosexuality, not thieves, not the greedy, not drunkards, not revilers, that's a partier, not swindlers, those who rip people off, will inherit the kingdom of God. Not one. Not one. I'm kind of thankful for the next sentence. I don't know about you guys. Do you see what it says? And such were some of you. Because the reality is, 
that list of people who can't come into the city of God, that's where I belong. Because I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I've done wrong. I'm a murderer. I have killed. I, all these things that, you, that we stand guilty before God of, I have done all these things. But what does it say? This is what you were. But what happened? But, that's a strong word of contrast. But you were, what's that next word? Washed. What did we get washed in? We're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, which washed us white as snow, right? He washed, he paid my price. He paid for my sin. So I could be right with God. You were sanctified. That's past tense. You were sanctified. That means what God starts in you, he finishes in you. He don't leave you halfway and you don't only make it halfway to heaven. If he's got you, he keeps you. You were sanctified, past tense. You were justified. That made you were made just as if you never sinned. How? Because I clothed myself in Christ. Jesus Christ became the vehicle through which I must be saved. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 says that I heard the gospel, I believed what it said, and I got in to Christ. I got in through belief. I got in and now I'm clothed in Christ. Now I have the righteousness of Christ on me. Now I'm in the bus that's called Jesus that takes the lost to heaven. That's how we get there. I should be an outside with all those people outside. But Christ gets me in. And the good news is the door and the bus is open for whosoever wants to come in. Anybody can get in. Nobody is denied. We come to the door of the bus. We confess. I'm a sinner. I need you to get there. I can't get there any other way. And Jesus says, come on in. He says, behold, I stand at the door and do what? Knock. And if anyone will open the door, what's he say I'll do? I'll come in and we'll have communion. He says, I'll come in to you. So the door, he's knocking. Pride of man is what keeps people out. So the people who are outside, those are all the people who have told Jesus Christ throughout all the years of their life, as he knocked on the door of their heart, no, 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 I don't need you. I'm good. I'm good. And I can tell you this, five minutes watching the news, I can tell you there's not one good person on this stinking planet. There ain't one. Because given the right moment and the right time, they all do rotten stuff. I can't believe the evil man will do to man. And when I look at it, I recognize this reality. I could do that. That could be me. Circumstances different. There but by the grace of God go I, right? So the idea, man, we need Jesus. Jesus is the one that gets us in. We're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And then we have the final invitation. Final invitation of the book. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Spirit and the Bride say, Come. You who are thirsty, come. Let the one who wants the water of life come and take it without price.
Does it sound like a God who's trying to keep people out? Well, the call's going, but we don't get to come our way. We come his way. We come his way. I acknowledge my need. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need you, Jesus. And then he, he makes me clean. He makes me right. He makes me. <clears throat> well, I jump past verse uh, 16. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I'm the root and the descendant of David, the bride and morning star. So the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price come. Come. In verse 18, he says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. You know that's not the only place that warning is? It comes up twice in Deuteronomy and once in Proverbs. Why? Because over and over again, God's people are warned, don't add to what God said. One of the scariest things people can do is come to me and say, God told me. I've heard that a number of times, and my response will always be, then you better do what God said. Because I'm not arguing with God. But you better know, God said it. Hebrews chapter 1, God said his final word was wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And I'm not sure to what level he still gives revelation today. I think we have what we need in him. Now, I believe in prophecy, so don't get mad. I believe in the gift. I believe in those things. But I think it's scary to stand up in front of God's people and say this phrase. Thus saith the Lord, if you're not hearing from God. It's easy to say the words. But he says, if you're adding to my book in Deuteronomy, if you add to the words of the law, the writing of this book, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 4.2, you shall not add a word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments. Deuteronomy 12.32, everything I command you, you'll be careful to do. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. Proverbs 36, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Similar warning that we see here in Revelation 22. Don't add to what God has said. It's wrapped up. He's told us what we need. In verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus. <coughs> come. Again, that phrase. Why? Live looking for the expectancy of Christ. His final word in the book, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So let the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let's pray. Father God, we lift this time to you. We give you thanks for your word.